Yes, Jesse, as the days pass and I witness the insane, deranged, and criminal behavior of the liberal left, people like yourself, I'm convinced more than ever that electing Donald Trump was the right thing for the future of America. You fit all these criteria, Dolly Madison. You're, de you're a deranged douchebag. And you dishonor the Marine Corps. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 484 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I am joined today, as you are all expecting... By the lovely, the talented, the scholarly Brittany Page. I am not sure what the pregnant pause was there. Is something bad going to happen to me on the show? No, I'm just kind of enjoying my wake-up voice. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see. Yes, it is the morning. Yeah. Um, and we are drinking coffee and hanging in there. You know, I'm surprised that you were able to click the mouse to start the show because your arm has basically been a useless um, appendage. It's just hanging there. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with it. Well, tell us tell us what's happening. You're having a lot of pain. Well, it thought, seems like it's coming from your elbow. Yeah. Well, I thought it was... <laughs> this is a great opening segment about Ted Bundy, by the way. <laughs> All right. So, I... I uh, I don't know what's going on. I thought it was like tennis elbow or something, but now it's radiating down into across my the, my wrist bone onto my wrist bone. My uh, the, those little are they meta? Amy's going to call in and give us the anatomy lesson, but mm -hmm. the, the 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 little thin bones that run across the top of your hands to your fingers. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I made an appointment. I called to make an appointment with the VA, which ultimately I did. Make an appointment with the VA. Uh huh. Right away, they got you in. Yeah, uh, a month, a month from now. Yes, is my appointment. Great. Thirty fucking. My arm will heal itself by that time, <laughs> and I will just have been in pain for a month because I can't even. Like, I just went to lift my coffee. Yeah. And I need an assist from the other hand. Yeah. To, like underneath the coffee cup with my left hand. Yes. Well, okay. So your arm might heal itself in that time. It might not. We'll see. But you said that you're just going to be in pain this whole time. But even if you were to go in, like when you went in with your bone spurs, the advice that they gave you was to... Oh, oh. can I, should I say it again? Sure, yeah. To freeze water bottles and roll my feet on the fucking water bottles. Problem solved. You know, advanced why medicine, everybody. Why didn't you just Google it? Veterans Administration. <laughs> why didn't the you, job done? Why didn't you just Google how to treat your bone spurs? Yeah, right. That's what they should say. Well, we can get you in in 30 days or mm -hmm. we can give you like a, a two day membership to WebMD. And you just figure it out yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Does does WebMD offer some I sort of? I have no idea. Oh, okay. I just 
Because I'm going to have to get that. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> and get behind that paywall. Yeah. So anyway, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's happening is apparently Ted Bundy is either very hot mm-hmm. physically, like attractive, or not at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we really pick the the important controversies to talk about on this show. I don't see you're treating this like it's um, some story that no one is talking about. But no, 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 no. no. I, I shouldn't have said that we talk about it on the show. I, I guess as a society, we really focus on what's important. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just seems kind of dumb. Okay. Well, uh, Netflix released a docu series about Ted Bundy, and we haven't watched it, so we should just give that trigger warning for people um, <laughs> so that they are aware that whatever we might say might uh, not be good, but that we yeah, it's not didn't a, watch it, it. it. It's not a trigger warning. It's a savior emails warning. Okay. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Thank you. It is called Conversations with a Killer, the Ted Bundy Tapes. And apparently there's also a movie that is going to be coming out about him where Zac Efron is going to be playing Bundy that premiered this week at the Sundance Film Festival. And there was a lot of backlash for, for both of these projects. And part of the backlash stems from what women have been saying on social media about Ted Bundy. Um, Netflix actually had to tweet and remind people that were tweeting that Ted Bundy's hot. Yes, people were tweeting that. It's weird, man. Um, And say there's a lot of other men to uh, love on the Netflix. You can watch many other shows with lovable men. You don't have to... With lovable men. (laughs) You don't have to... (laughs) Feel like that about Ted Bundy. Um, now, some people are saying uh, he's not portrayed as sympathetic. It's just that they are showing how charming and charismatic he was. He's a psychopath. That's what they do. Which is um, part of the part of his story and how he was able to um, get women to want to be around him. Yeah. <laughs> um, although sometimes he would just kidnap them. So uh, the the charisma and the the charm wasn't always playing a role in the uh, murders, the serial murders that what took is place. With, what's broken in a person? And I'm kind of take, getting us off the rails here, but like these women who write letters we talked about to, to this man who murdered his family and his daughters and then stuffed their bodies like in oil barrels... What's and this isn't a question for you, mm-hmm. the clinician, Brittany. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just the sending it out into the ether to the audience. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with a person to to find that person attractive or worthy of writing and trying to foster some kind of a, um, romantic relationship with? That's fucking very weird. Maybe it's like their form of like bungee jumping. It's their form of like flirting with danger. Go ride a fucking roller coaster, you know? Don't don't write a letter to the killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't know. Um I have not studied that or read about it, so I Like I said, question for the ether. Yes, I do not know. Um, but it is it is very disturbing. And I know these like murder shows are really appealing to a lot of people like there's uh people that like learning about murderers and murders and it's super chic right now wow little whistle there it's super (laughs) it's super uh avant-garde right now there's a million fucking uh, podcasts 
about true crime and murder and gruesome shit. And it's kind of caught on. Yeah, so I understand why they continue to make it because people are going to watch it. And I mean, obviously, yes, these people are interesting people. Ted Bundy looks like a normal person, right? I mean, for some people, I guess, to me, and it could just be the bias that I have, he, knowing that he's murdered and raped several people, but he doesn't look like a normal person He's to me. the one with the crazy unibrow, right? Like maybe he needed to you know, clean up up there and get some tweezers. Yeah. Maybe it was his anger over not owning tweezers that led him to his horrible crimes. Yeah, I don't think that's it. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I'm scared for other people that don't have right. access to tweezers. But We'll start a charity. Yeah, but back to what I was saying about the... <laughs> Listen, I like to talk about tweezers sometimes. Yeah, you do. So um, <laughs> I, I get the appeal of the shows and how someone who's a normal person can... You know, like you talked about the the guy that was recently in all the the Daily Mail headlines where he was called Killer Dad. And every time I got one of these Daily Headline, uh, Daily Mail headline news alerts on my phone, I would be like, click, um, because the way that they wrote the headline, I'm like, oh, I need to see what you, else is going on here. You would send me messages that would just go click, and then I would know what the next message was. Yes, a link to something. Yes. <laughs> Um, and that his Chris Watts was his name and he was the Colorado guy who killed his wife and his two daughters. And you hear everyone talk about him. Normal guy. Who would have thought, right, that he murders his family and then starts like Googling Metallica lyrics about murdering people. Ugh. You know, so like what could have at least picked a good band. What is what is that that causes people to go there. What happens? Was it always a part of them? Did they have this experience, right? I think people are trying to figure it out. Especially when the out- outward appearance is that of normal. Yes. They be- expect them to be disfigured or like Jason or 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 what's the Halloween guy? Mike Myers. Mike Myers, yeah. Yes. You, you expect them to look like cinematic, like, oh, this <laughs> horror creature. Yeah. When... No, there's just a monster inside that normal looking guy. Yeah. So I get the appeal. Um, I think sometimes it can be a little much for some people, but that's okay. We all have our um, interests and things that we enjoy. Tongue in cheek, you're saying that because it's not okay. I mean, well, well, that depends. I mean, what what, what do you mean? Like, if, if it's just something that they're interested in. And it's like a prominent... Oh, you mean like listening to a podcast. I meant like reaching out and like maybe putting your family in danger no, no, connecting no, 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 to no. a psycho like this. No, 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 no. You I... mean interest in listening to a podcast or watching the show on Netflix? Yes. Okay, yeah. Like people Th- who harmless. are obsessed with kind of the murder media. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're. we just crossed wires there for a second. Yeah. It doesn't usually happen. Yeah. But no, I would be concerned about someone who is... Um, you know, writing letters to Charles Manson and uh, yeah. wanting to marry some murderer who's in prison for the rest of their life. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So. Well, let's let's get on with the program, Brittany Page. Let me see if I'm going to be able to click through these many different clips and voicemails, which is where we're headed now. Last time on the show, I talked about, we just briefly brushed by a story. Something reminded me of a story one time about where... I ignored someone's call with like a rolling of the eyes and a dick face look on my face. Mm-hmm. And the person whom for whom the 
And the person whose call I ignored was mere feet away across the street watching me do this. Well, apparently it's not an all too uncommon uh, uh, occurrence in the lives of, of me and the listeners. Hello, Brittany. Hello, Jesse. It's Wayne from Basildon here. And um, Jesse's story reminded me of something that happened um, a few weeks back. Jesse's story about getting the the phone call that he binned off and then got found out. Something very similar happened to me. So I will regale you with this tale. I'm at work and I get a text from the office and they're saying that my last two jobs have cancelled, which means I've got the afternoon to myself. That's a result. And in my head, I'm thinking, got a bit of me time. What should I do? Naturally, I'm going to go for a cheeky pint. <laughs> I go to my local pub. I sit down and was sitting there discussing um, the works of Chaucer and... <laughs> Plato's the Republic with the patrons of the... I'm oh, yeah, kidding anyone. was talking football, Brexit and bollocks over uh. a few points. And um, I get a phone call. I look down at my phone and it's my long-suffering girlfriend, Carrie ann And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to take this call right now. She's going to know I'm slacking off. So I ignore the phone call and I send just send a text saying, I'm driving, Sorry. She knows I won't, will not answer my phone when I'm driving for anything. I'll get back to my conversation. No fewer than two minutes later do I feel something grab my leg. And I look down and it's my beautiful daughter, Sienna, looking up at me going, hello, daddy. Now, as happy as I am to see her, my heart sank because I looked to the door of the pub and there is Kerry standing there, hands on hips, with that, you know, that resting bitch face smirk, like to say, I've caught you, you little fucking cunt. <laughs> I'm like, oh, hello. Hi, darling. Um, I was just driving when I sent that text. And she said, um, when I got that text, I was parked next to your van. Try it again. And with this, because the conversation was audible to everyone, it's now a long-running joke in my local pub that Wayne's got to be careful when he comes here because his missus might turn up and catch him. So that's the end of my little story. I thought you would enjoy hearing me suffer. I know Jesse would especially um, because I seem to be a bit of a transatlantic whipping boy to him. Ah, come on Dick. now. Um, so, yeah, I would just like to say Marcus is the best part. Brother. Hello, Marcus. Have a great show. Goodbye. So um, who would have thought that Wayne is a filthy, filthy liar? <laughs> wow. I'm shocked. How dare you, sir? <laughs> wow. There wasn't a lot of... Um, Breaking out the how dare you. How dare you, sir? There wasn't a lot of discussion over all the lies that were happening. <laughs> there were like so many lies that came out of the mouth there in wow. that in that story. And he's just like, oh yeah, all right, funny story, guys. All the <laughs> lies I'm telling. I like to lie it up. I also like that Wayne is completely okay and comfortable with texting while driving, but oh, I can't talk on the phone while driving. <laughs> 
that's a good point. That's a good point. So, well, listen, I just, I thought it was a funny story, and we love Wayne. Uh, and he has a beautiful daughter. Mm-hmm. Who he should be home with on the lunch break. <laughs> Not uh, out having a cheeky pint. Cheeky pint. With all the Chaucer and Plato fans. Yes. Thank you, Wayne. We appreciate the <laughs> contribution, sir. Let's move on to something a little bit more in line with what the subject of the program usually is, and that is politics. Hey, guys. It's John from Columbus. Um, so listening to the Howard Schultz uh, interview with uh, Joe and Mika, um, I listened to it originally. I didn't catch this. But when you guys played the clip, um, Mika asked him, greatest uh, Republican president in the last 50 years and greatest Democratic president in the last 50 years. Um, and his Democratic choice was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was president in the 30s and the 40s, his last year in office being 1946, I believe, which puts him more than 50 years ago. 50 years ago from today is 1969. I mean, I'd give him 1968, 2018. I'd give him 1968, maybe. But he failed to mention a good Democratic candidate or Democratic president in the last 50 years. Um, He's had some good ones but he failed to mention them. So not only does he not know Cheerios, he clearly doesn't know presidents. He clearly doesn't know <laughs> the history of the office that he's running for, which, you know, I could be wrong, but I think that that's important. Um, this may have already been brought up. Somebody may have already caught this and mentioned it, but I just found it funny that somebody who's running for president doesn't know presidential history. I think it's rather important. But beside that, uh, I love the show. Um, I want to say Brittany's the best part, but Jesse, you're a very important part too. So let's just leave it there. Brittany's the best part, but Jesse, you're an important part. (laughs) Oh, that's very nice. Brittany is the best part, but Jesse is also a very important part. I feel like a lot of people are protective of you. And so when people say... <laughs> there Brittany, is no need for that. When people say Britney's the best part too many times, they feel like, oh, Jesse is... <laughs> he's rocking himself to sleep at night. He's like in the fetal position. Yeah. He thinks no one likes him. Maybe that's what's wrong with my arm. All the hate from the audience. <laughs> that could be it. <laughs> but are you okay? Should we I, talk about it? I'm pretty okay. Okay. Yeah, I thought this was a really good point. And there were actually several things that I think that we failed to address about the Howard Schultz uh, Morning Joe MSNBC appearance. Be- I wouldn't categorize it as failing to address, just that didn't address. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> what so, were the other things that we, we failed about? Go ahead. Well, he, he <laughs> called himself a self-made man. 
he he said, quote, I've also been criticized for being a billionaire. Let's talk about that. I'm self-made. I grew up in the projects in Brooklyn, New York. I thought that was the American dream, the aspiration of America. And can we stop with this, like propping up people that say this kind of shit? Because, I mean, how many times do we have to talk about um, the bonus episode that we did with Robert Frank um, about the importance of luck and the myth of meritocracy? Howard Schultz, please do an inventory on your life. Look back on the family that you were born into, the people that helped you along the way, the teachers that may have given you a chance, the people who gave you a job at one time. There had to have been people that helped you along the way. It doesn't take away from the fact that he he built what he built um, coming from nothing. I think that's what he's getting at. I mean, we can... We can uh, we can really stretch out the language and 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 be critical of it, but I think colloquially we all understand what he means. I don't know. I don't think so. You, you don't. No. In fact, I just heard from one of my students the other the other day that um, their teacher was having them watch videos about how millionaires and billionaires in this country didn't get there through luck. They oh. got there through hard work. Well, if that's the attitude that luck didn't play a role, then that's a problem. Well, you think, but that- you could still be self-made, acknowledging that luck played some role. Right, but I'm not hearing that in this quote. You, yeah. you think you think it's um, absent but implicit in his statement that he? No, he, I don't. No, I don't. He's accounting for all the amazing luck that he had. Yeah. Well, look, I'm not sticking up for this dick face. I think he's a douche. I mean, I called him a douche on YouTube. Listen, I, this isn't the place to talk about it. But when you were changing your shirt, I saw a tattoo on your back, and <laughs> it looked a lot like Howard Schultz's face. I was I was waiting for another moment to break out the classic. Is he is he fucking <laughs> listening to himself? right now yeah that's that's perfect time right now for the howard schultz yeah but as far as the 50 year thing Mm -hmm. that is a weird fdr was 74 years ago we have several audience members and i hesitate to name any names because i'll leave people out but Brittany just had a kid uh, carly just had a kid when that child is 18 and ready to, to go off to college, it will have been almost 100 years since FDR. He's not 50 years ago. Nixon was 50 years ago. Come on. It's disqualifying just because he's a moron. Well, what, what do you think that that means, though, about where his head is at? That when asked the question about the best Republican president in the past 50 years and the best Democrat president in the past 50 years, he spends all of his time waxing poetic about Ronald Reagan. That's exactly right. And then very quickly at the end, uh, oh, shoves in a name yeah, <laughs> that isn't even in the time frame that was referenced. Well, it tells you who he's appealing to. Mm. He doesn't give a fuck about Democrat voters. Yeah. He's a Donald Trump kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, he's. It would have been better for his for his personal image, um, to have just stayed where he was because you know there was some some affinity for him because he was such a quote unquote liberal type of business owner, mm-hmm. free tuition to U- University of Arizona or ASU or whatever mm-hmm. for Starbucks and even part time Starbucks employees. Yeah. Many five dollar gift cards as gifts. Yeah, you know he gave away just slews of three fifty and five dollar <laughs> gift cards. He was just loved by the people. Yeah. No, but but now that he's now that he's coming out and trying to run for president, mm-hmm. all of this other five dollar gift card shit's coming out, <laughs> and we're getting a, a, a more pure picture mm-hmm. of who he is, not this curated. Um, 
public relations type of image. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy that I haven't seen a lot of support for Howard Schultz or people that are even like interested in him. Like everyone's just kind of batting him away like a fly. And I, I also talked about last time the Russian troll farms that are going to be going to town for Howard Schultz. And I sent you a screenshot yesterday of a, a new Twitter account. Oh, Oh, am I getting this? You get it when I get it. I mean, if I if I'm getting it, you're getting it. Okay, is this my first time getting it? I think it might be. <laughs> We're tooting Britney's horn one show after the other. Yeah. Already, you're getting the toot of the horn. Usually, it takes like six months. Yeah, for you building mm. anticipation. So there was a screenshot going around Twitter, and it is at Blacks for Schultz, the number four for Schultz, and the the bio says Black Americans who are excited for the moderate presidency of business leader Howard Schultz <laughs> in Baltimore, Maryland. Come on, man. They they just joined Twitter, and they're following 23 people and have 38 followers. So, don't know about this. Okay? (laughs) Don't know if this is real. Um, But it seemed to be met with a lot of suspicion on Twitter by notable figures, especially in the African-American community. There was also, like, a parody account that came out that I don't think was a troll farm account, but was certainly a joke that was women for Schultz, kind of like women for Michael Cohen. Oh, (laughs) Yeah, my my favorite um, one of my favorite humans, Nathan Fielder, the Nathan for you Comedy Central show. He did the same thing. He has a a new Twitter account that is a play on the Michael Cohen thing. And he retweeted. He's like, oh, look at this. This is so amazing. Thank you so much for creating this Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, everybody. It's a really good time. It is. Because not only can you really, again, using the word curate, but you can kind of create your own your own ecosystem within there of what you see. If you only want to see K-pop tweets, then you only follow a bunch of K-pop fucking accounts. If you want to follow the nitty gritty politics stuff, you do that. It's, it's really, it, it is a good time. Then there's all these little cultural things that pop up and things that go crazy on the internet. And that's really where it, 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 it goes, goes off. So, and people are very funny. Yeah, for sure. Very funny. There's two accounts that I really, really love. One is at Brittany E. Page <laughs> and at Dollamore. No, nothing to do with us, but they're just really great accounts. <laughs> Can we, since we're on this topic, talk about um, Fuck Jerry really quick? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay, so... Got a little bit of time. So, um, Fuck Jerry is an account on Instagram, and I don't know if it's also elsewhere well they've become a marketing uh company now okay like it, they they make money through ad um influencers and influence they they, they had a hand in the fry festival thing mm-hmm. that that fraud that went on that they were the marketing outfit hired to really raise awareness of the fry festival so the there, fire festival fry so there are a lot of uh notable figures who are asking people to unfollow and stop supporting fuck Jerry because this account, it feels weird to keep saying it, but that's what the name of the account is. Yeah. So, um, they, sorry, if you've got any listeners out there named Jerry. Yes. They, <laughs> they steal content from content creators like Vic Berger. Vic Berger is one that just called them out and asked his followers to unfollow them and stop supporting them. They steal content. 
they post it to their page as their own, and they make money off of it. That's right. So there are many people who are talking about, like, they tweeted something funny that went viral, and then Fuck Jerry stole it and posted it on their account and made thousands of dollars it, off of it. Because they do they do ad, ads, ads and sponsorships on Instagram and stuff, and then, you know, you can make... 50, 60, 80, $100,000 for one single post mm-hmm. on Instagram if you have enough followers. And that's what they do. That's their business MO. And they do it through stealing content. So I I, I was never adjacent to them at all. Mm-hmm. Certainly didn't follow them. But I would encourage everybody to fuck them. Yeah, do not support people fuck, who do fuck that. Fuck Jerry. Yes, because th- I mean, this is something that has bothered me for a long time. It's I- happened to me. Yeah, it's happened to you. Even before this, though, I would get bothered if I saw someone like copy and paste something that I wrote on Facebook. Like years ago, this happened where I posted something and someone just took it and put it put it on their own Facebook page. Yeah. And I think this was even before I had the podcast and they just like took something that I wrote and posted it as their own. And this stuff has always bothered me. But especially having the podcast now and knowing how much work goes into this stuff and how someone could just take it and post it and make money off of it because they can. No, you don't get rewarded for that. Unfollow that account. Do not support them. That is crazy. Look, if you want to steal something I've said or put, put a picture of me and make a meme out of it. Give me, put my stupid face on it. Don't yes. just steal it outright and act like it was your own. Yes, exactly. Or if you make some money on it, you know, <laughs> go to teamdollamore.com and Patreon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. We have a new Patreon supporter, Norman. Norman. And then we have two beautiful humans, although Norman is also a beautiful human. We have two additional beautiful humans who upped their pledge. Raina. Raina. And Rainer. And Rainer. Raina and Rainer. That is, I didn't notice that until just now. That's yeah. awesome. Well, now you've noticed it. Now I've noticed it. <laughs> so we sent out the first official newsletter for the 20 and up Patreon supporters per month. And it's the first one. So we really want feedback from you guys on things that you liked about it, things you didn't like about it, what you would want to see more of, what you didn't see in there that you were hoping to see, whatever it might be, tell us so that we can make it better. I'm already starting on the one for February because I want to get it out like the last week of February, not like the first of February, not like I did with January. moments before it's the next month. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, yes, let us know. And um, it was kind of fun putting it together and choosing links and writing stuff about the the links that I that I thought were interesting. And uh, hopefully you guys also cared about it, too. Also, let's say this. If you become in this month, if you become that tier of Patreon, mm-hmm. um, we will send you a link to last month's, and then you'll be added to next month's. Yes, because neither collectively, Brittany and I are both fucking dummies about Mailchimp, 
Yes, and, we're doing uh, our best. <laughs> we're not technical people, man. But if you if you become a twenty and up supporter and you didn't get the January newsletter, I can't figure out how to send it to you again. So I can just send you the link to it, and then you can see it. It looks the same. It's all fine. Um, but then I will add you to the official list to get the the email going forward. So the other way you can support the show is through Amazon. Go to dollamore.com slash Amazon. If you're going to spend your money anywhere, any anyway, and that's what we say, if, if you're going to be there anyway, shopping on Amazon, spending your money on Amazon, why not help us? Every little bit goes a long way, and we get a little bit. You don't pay any more, and we get a little taste in the way of like a commission from your sale. So collectively, if we have a bunch of people who shop on Amazon, we're not encouraging you to do so. But if you do, if you're gonna, yeah, you know, dollamore.com slash Amazon. Dollamocracy, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So before we get to the Governor Northam thing in Virginia that has blown up, uh, we want to talk about the latest senator, the latest Democrat to enter the presidential election race. In America, we have a common pain, but what we're lacking is a sense of common purpose. What's up? Amen. I grew up knowing that the only way we can make change is when people come together. When I was a baby, my parents tried to move us into a neighborhood with great public schools, but realtors wouldn't sell us a home because of the color of our skin. A group of white lawyers who had watched the courage of civil rights activists were inspired to help black families in their own community, including mine. And they changed the course of my entire life. Because in America, courage is contagious. My dad told me, boy, never forget where you came from or how many people had to sacrifice to get you where you are. So over 20 years ago, I moved into the central ward of Newark to fight slumlords and help families stay in their homes. I still live there today, and I'm the only senator who goes home to a low-income inner-city community, the first community that took a chance on me. We are better when we help each other. The history of our nation is defined by collective action, by interwoven destinies of slaves and abolitionists, of those born here and those who chose America as home, those who took up arms to defend our country, and those who linked arms to challenge and change it. I believe that we can build a country where no one is forgotten, no one is left behind where parents can put food on the table, where there are good-paying jobs with good benefits in every neighborhood, where our criminal justice system keeps us safe instead of shuffling more children into cages and coffins, where we see the faces of our leaders on television and feel pride, not shame. It is not a matter of can we. It's a matter of do we have the collective will, the American will, I believe we do. Together, we will channel our common pain back into our common purpose. Together, America, we will rise. I'm Cory Booker, and I'm running for president of the United States of America. So before we get to talking about uh, Cory Booker's run for president, his announcement, his highly produced announcement, 
let me get a little behind the scenes sausage making here. Mm. What has been about a minute and 20 seconds or two minutes or so um, for you for you has been about an hour and a half for us. Because in the middle of that, the goddamn power went out in here in the studio. Yes. And we had to take a little break. And what does Cory Booker have to say about that? Not a good sign, sir. <laughs> oh, you think Not it's a, a good it's sign. It's an ominous omen of things, a harbinger of things to come, so they, as they say. Possibly. <laughs> so I I don't know how you feel about Cory Booker, and we, we haven't really been talking about what we think about the candidates. Yeah, we just kind of announced the announcement so far. So I don't know... Like why we're doing that or when we plan to do that. But I'm going to talk about how well, I feel about Cory Booker right well, now. Uh, yeah, go ahead. But what I kind of mm, hope to thank do. Thank you for the permission, sir. What I kind <laughs> of hope to do <laughs> is uh, is dedicate an episode, mm-hmm. whether it be a half hour or however long, you know, 15, 20, half hour, whatever um, is necessary and go through the history of each candidate, okay. I think is kind of what I want to do. I, I haven't decided and we haven't really talked about it, but I'm kind of noodling that. But but yeah, if you have feelings, yeah, lay them, lay them on us. Yeah, so I have always felt that Cory Booker came across as phony and um, like he was putting on an act. That's what I've always thought. About I, I sometimes get that from him. And apparently that's something that he has had to wrestle with for a long time. It's not just you, you're saying. Yeah, that he's been accused of that for a long time. And I actually spent some time reading about him yesterday. And I came away feeling that um, it's hard to believe that he's phony. So let me just talk about it a little bit. He... Here, let me set you up. Okay. Tell me more about that, Brittany. Mm. <laughs> So he um, he was educated at Stanford, Oxford, Yale, and um, he comes from a family of privilege. He, he was in a privileged family uh, where his parents were educated. And um, he did talk about in that clip that you heard, um, his family tried to move to um, a white neighborhood and they wouldn't let let that let them move there because they yeah, were black that's, the, that's a real deal story that's not just he's not even exaggerating that's the, what really happened right and through like a sting operation um a white family called and they were going to let a white family move in and so like they set up this thing and, and caught these people engaging in racism um yeah. racist policies for housing and so when i say privilege understand that i just mean money yeah, and, but there's also there's layers of privilege there's there's your racial privilege there's financial privilege there's you know yeah people with red hair having it great privilege and you know. so yeah and he he even talks about it that he was kind of given this opportunity and that he felt like his whole life he needed to somehow give something back and so even though he was educated at stanford oxford yale and he had all this opportunity he moved back to newark new jersey yeah he, he talked about that in his announcement he says kind of like there's no way to pay it back but you're gonna have to pay it forward yeah yeah and so he lived at what's called brick towers which isn't a thing anymore but he lived in this 16th floor apartment that often didn't have heat or hot water it didn't have an elevator to take you up those 16 flights of stairs yeah it's not it's not like a a a three-story walk up in manhattan this is uh 
It's a building. Right. And it was um, an inner city housing project. Mm -hmm. And he moved in and he had neighbors who were living in poverty. Um, and he came face to face with the the crime, the drug addiction. He was seeing everything firsthand, people that couldn't afford food. Um, he would talk to the kids and try to get the kids to stay in school and all this stuff. And he's been living in Newark in a low income um, community for two decades. Yeah. So when he showed up there, People were skeptical. They thought, oh, look at this phony politician. He's coming. He's like making a statement. He'll be gone in a week. Right. Yeah, right. right. Which would be the expectation. And he's, he's not going to be able to hang here. Right. And it's been two decades. So I think that that says something about him. And when I read this story in Politico about him, they talked about when there was no water. Cory Booker was filling a trash bag with water and carrying it up the 16 flights of stairs to take a shower. Yeah. And. I mean, he, he's someone who has the money and opportunity to not live like this. Sure. But he chose he to live like this. He just advocate for these people from afar. Right. Instead, he's on the ground with them. And my my feeling is, hey, even if he did this, you know, 20 years ago, he's like, I'm going to do this because I want to be president someday. <laughs> Great. That's you know? a fucking long <laughs> shot. Yeah. But even if that's the case, I mean, right? Really, that is like buying a lottery ticket, but actually having to have this lottery ticket be a bag of bricks that you carry around forever, hoping that maybe it cashes in someday. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great because he has familiarized himself with what people experience on a daily basis yeah. living in America, not having opportunities that other people have. He knows what that's like now. And I this is what I want is I want more people who know what that is like, who really know what it is like. And some people can say, oh, well, you know, he wasn't fully living it because ultimately he does have the bank account. He does have the ability to check out whenever he wants and go to D.C. and spend as much time as he wants there sure, and then yeah. come back. Sure, that is 100% the case. But I think there is something unique about being on the ground and these people know his name. And th even this person that spent time with him interviewing for Politico said that he'd walk by people and get stopped just constantly because yeah. everyone knows him and, and wants to talk to him. So, Well, it's also not some... some uh, mythical concept to him it's it's not abstract for him he can he can recount times where he's dealt with uh these problems and watched the struggle of these people on the it's real it's a real fucking thing for him yeah so some of the biggest criticisms for cory booker in addition to being um phony are coming across as phony coming across as phony are um his his cozy relationship with pharmaceutical companies and big corporations. Sure. And I think this is kind of interesting as a criticism because he was so he was mayor of Newark. That's right. By the way, Newark, for those who don't know, if you live in the middle of the country or on the West Coast, New Newark for a long time, I don't know exactly what the situation is on the ground now, but was a city with a lot of problems with crime and drugs a lot of and poverty. violence and poverty it really was one of the cities that that uh, republicans made made issue of like in the past it's been washington dc it's been baltimore it's been detroit Newark was one of those cities. They're actually still holding it up and attacking um, Cory Booker's record as mayor, saying that it was left worse than he found it. Yeah. So, but one thing I want to say, because he, he has received this criticism for hobnobbing with corporate elites or whatever, mm -hmm. um, you know what the result of that was? <laughs> was bringing like Prudential, Panasonic, Goldman Sachs, 
um, to invest in Newark, having Whole Foods come build a store in Newark. Yeah, yeah. Um, he persuaded Mark Zuckerberg to donate $100 million to transform Newark into the, quote, charter school capital of America. Um, so you know where that gets you is that gets your city in a better station, right? Sure. So I think that while the pharmaceutical stuff does concern me and I understand those concerns for sure, I think that it's important to be realistic about the need to work with um, media elites and and corporations in order to improve um, cities. That's That's an important thing. And I'm not like gung-ho for Cory Booker right now, like saying, you know, he's my guy and I'm I'm set on him. But I, after reading about him, I really came away feeling like, wow, I, I didn't know uh, the full story here. Yeah, it's a good start. Yeah. And uh, I, I think there's a lot of impressive things about him. But I also, like we've said, we want to be very measured in how we approach the the candidates for the 2020 election. And there is some infighting that you're already seeing where if you criticize a Democratic candidate, you're viewed as, you know, eating your own. And I think that it's important that we have candidates that can stand up to the pressure and prove themselves. Yeah. And it's important to talk about the negative aspects of people and also the positive aspects. I mean, we, we want to be aware of, of what our representative is doing. Well, we want to deal with the negative, the positive, obviously, but also the negative on our own terms. Because if we're left to deal with the negative aspects of each and every candidate on the Republican terms, that's going to be a fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. We, look, I, I want an answer from Cory Booker about his relationship with pharmaceutical companies. And some of those bad choices that he made. I, I want a real answer. Yeah. I-, I want an answer from Kamala Harris relative to her not allowing Kevin Cooper a fair chance at redemption through the justice system when there was clear evidence of tampering with blood evidence and framing him. Not some conspiracy theory, the real fucking deal. Framing someone who to this day is on death row in California. I want a real answer. Mm-hmm. And look, ultimately, whoever ends up being the Democratic nominee, if Donald Trump is the candidate that they're running against in the general, the choice is kind of made. But in the primary, when we're in the process of choosing the candidate to be the one who runs against Donald Trump, I want to I wanna make sure that we pick the right person. Mm-hmm. For sure. And one thing that um, I also was kind of disappointed by in the in the article that I read was that Cory Booker isn't calling Donald Trump a racist. He said that he, you know, wouldn't rent to blacks and that he, you know, says he says all of these things and all of it's problematic, but he wouldn't stand there and call him a racist. (laughs) And I was like, um, okay, well, who are are we appealing to by by doing that? You know, he also did an interview where he wouldn't come out and just say, I'm the only senator who goes home to a low income inner city neighborhood. He said it in this video, in this this announcement Mm -hmm. that we played the audio of. But he, I think it was The View. It was The View, and Joy Behar asked him how he can separate himself from the other candidates, and he mentioned the going home to a low-income community every day, and she said, oh, okay, so the other ones don't do that then. Is that what you're saying? And he's like, oh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I do. <laughs> yeah, you are the only one. Yeah. Come on. So I think, you know, they're trying to figure it out. Yeah, Mitt Romney, you know, he lives 
He lives in the inner cities of Salt Lake City. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Just take pride in that aspect of your life, that you've done something selfless, and that is selfless. Mm-hmm. When you could have been living on easy street. For sure. Not carrying garbage bags full of water up to take a fucking shower, guy. Yeah. <laughs> Sell it if it's sellable. Yeah. Talk about the rats that were in your apartment. Like, do that. You know, yeah. go hard with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, that has happened, and our power is actually back on. Yes, that's nice. <laughs> so let's talk about Ralph Northam. Actually, let's let's say this. I would love to know what everybody thinks. I really want to 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 pool the resources of the audience. For and sure. Bad opinions of Cory Cory Booker. Good uh, uh, opinions of Cory Booker. We want to hear it because this is a forum that, that's going to be throughout the election. And we want to have an open, clear-eyed conversation about each one of these candidates. I would invite you to call 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Keep in mind, we we might not play them. (laughs) Goddamn. We might not play them next episode or the next episode. We may even compile them. I don't want to dissuade people from from calling, but we might compile them for the individual episodes that we do about the candidates. Mm -hmm. So, again, 657-464-7609. Email, voice memo. I doubt it. Dollamore.com. I also wanted to say, I'm interested to hear uh, just based on who is in right now, who's at the top of your list, who's at the bottom of your list. I'd be really interested to hear from the listeners on that, where they're feeling, um, how they're feeling about things this far. And why. Yes. And and why. why. Um, Okay. Now let's get to the Ralph Northam thing. This Democratic governor of Virginia, um, it was revealed yesterday, yesterday. Yep. um, A... Yearbook from his adulthood. No, let let let's start from the beginning. A photo from a yearbook has been revealed of it's it's like a two page spread mm-hmm. of his medical school graduation photo, and like there's some other stuff down below, and then on the second accompanying page because it's all for him. It's like a two page spread about this graduate. Yeah, there, there's a photo of of a gentleman in blackface. Mm-hmm. With like a fake fro on, mm-hmm. standing next to a Klansman, mm-hmm. two people in costumes with the full hood on. That's right. Yep. Uh, this is a medical school photograph, yearbook, Me- a medical yearbook. school yearbook photograph. Which, which mean, he was twenty five years old. This was nineteen eighty four. This wasn't nineteen sixty four when he was a kid. He wasn't, you know, a Kavanaugh esque situation. Mm-hmm. This is. He's an adult. Even I, the Mormons had been allowing blacks into the priesthood for six years when this happened. <laughs> yes. So I was in elementary school. Yeah. When this happened, mm-hmm. this isn't some distant, nebulous thing that we can. Oh well, you know, it was different back then. Ronald Reagan was president, which also lends it to racism was still fucking furious and going on and acceptable that. The organizers of uh, designing this yearbook allowed this. The company publishing this yearbook allowed this. And he allowed this. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this was the aftermath. This was revealed. Julian Castro, a presidential candidate, came out. He was the very first Democrat to say, he's got to go. And Ralph Northam Northam, um, came out with a statement. 
Yeah, he said that he he confirmed that he appears in the photo, quote, in a costume that is clearly racist and offensive, but he didn't actually specify which one is him. So which either do? the blackface or the KKK Klansman. That's right. Quote, I am deeply sorry for the decision I made to appear as I did in this photo and for the hurt that decision caused then and now. This behavior is not in keeping with who I am today and the values I have fought for throughout my career in the military and medicine and in public service. But I want to be clear. I understand how this decision shakes Virginians faith in that commitment. I recognize that it will take time and serious effort to heal the damage this conduct has caused. I'm ready to do that important work. The first step is to offer my sincerest apology and state my absolute commitment to living up to the expectations Virginians set for me when they elected me to be their governor. So we don't know which one is him, okay? But yeah. this statement has actually changed as of today. Well, I want to say, let, let's before we get to the evolving statement, which just, let's do a spoiler right here. Fuck this guy. He is a liar. And the fact that he's lying is despicable. If this was something you did when you were 25 and you've changed, own it. Fucking own it. Say you've changed. Say what steps have taken place over the course of your life since 1984 that you have changed. You've met some people. You've done the work. And that's the, st- the, the sentence in that statement that bothers me. It's, I'm ready to do the work. Mm-hmm. Well, shouldn't you have already done the work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that That's a problem for me. For sure. And Democrats from what I've seen, largely have been calling for him to resign. Yes. And unfortunately, today, uh, thankfully the power went out so that we could get more information because this just happened, but he released another statement today Uh, and he is not resigning. Yeah. So today, what he's saying is, quote, when I was confronted with the images yesterday, I believed then and now that I am not either of the people in that photo. (laughs) Okay, but the thing is, like, you didn't believe that then? Because yesterday you said, I'm deeply sorry for the decision I made to appear as I did in this photo. Yeah. So if you believed then that you were not either of the people in that photo. You wouldn't have said that. You wouldn't have taken ownership for it. Yeah. So I guess I'm like confused as to what he thinks is going to happen here. What, what, What the end goal is. It gets worse though. Because he doesn't just deny... Not being in the photo. Right. He denies ever seeing the photo, which means he denies never seeing his own yearbook from medical school. Get uh, the fuck out of here. Yeah. So when he was asked about the photo, he said that uh, when he was shown the yearbook on Friday, that it was the first time that he had seen that. Come on. Quote, I was unaware of what was on my page. Okay. And you know, these are, so when I was in school, this was like a rich people thing. Like if you were a kid that came from a family where they had money, then they would buy you a full page ad in the yearbook. Yeah. Like, um, that was something that I thought was only available to kids who had money because it costs money to take out a full page in the yearbook. You have to pay for that. I went to too small a school. No, we didn't. That wasn't a thing yeah. with us, but yeah. I- yeah. 
So, well, and I don't know what it was like in med- medical school, but like in high school, your parents paid for it and they designed it and they like had pictures of you from when you were little and then when you're old and, yeah, and yeah. then they like say, oh, we love you. We're so proud of you. And that was in the yearbook. So I, I don't know. Obviously, I don't think it's his parents doing this for him. Um, <laughs> like submitting this to the yearbook. Yeah. I don't know why it would be a stranger making this for you like uh, who, yeah. do, who does he think made this page for him then if he didn't create this page in his medical school yearbook is he blaming someone for like doing a prank and i guess here's the thing if that's his defense why wasn't that the defense yesterday you know what i mean yeah um if you had never seen it before wouldn't the shock be like brand new the first time you see it and then you immediately release a statement like wow this is the first time i've seen this someone really did a number here like Punked wasn't even around in 1984. I have no idea how this happened. Something like that. Well, there's 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 another thing, and that this is his. I think he went to VMI, the Virginia Military Institute. He went to some military school, and under his photo, his graduation photo, there, it, it is um, Ralph Shearer Northam, and then I guess this is his nickname. Quote: Goose, comma, Coon Man. Unquote. Yikes. So, yeah, no, there's no, there's no, uh, it is VMI, Virginia Military Institute. I guess there's a, there's no history of this at all. Jesus. Um, He also, so one of the things he came out and said, (laughs) it just gets worse, you guys. So hang in here. Um, He admitted to, so he's saying, I am not the person in blackface in this photo, but hey guys, listen, I'm going to try to get out ahead of this. I did do blackface. Uh, I dressed up as Michael Jackson for Halloween. And I did blackface. Wow. So so let me get this straight. So this photo that for sure is me, but I'm saying it's not me. Yeah, um, it was blackface. But listen, there was a time, another time that I also did blackface. Not also because this one's not me. <laughs> but uh, there's another one out there probably that's going to get dug up. And I just want to apologize in advance for that one. And I'm not going to fucking resign. That's the latest. I'm not resigning. Mm-hmm. Fuck you people. And I want to correct my statement. It wasn't a um, for Halloween. It was for a dance conference in San Antonio that same year. So that's when he did. Blackface. Good times. Yeah. So listen, th- this is. He needs to resign. Ralph Northam needs to resign. This isn't eating our own. This isn't not giving a guy redemption. He is for sure worthy and capable of forgiveness, doing the work, and becoming someone different than he was in 1984 and going forward. Absolutely. He is qualified for that treatment. What I believe he is not qualified for anymore is representing the citizens of Virginia. All of them. Black and white alike. Sorry. Certain things prohibit you Mm -hmm. from being in those types of positions. This is one of them. Yeah. Now, the the, the other element of this is what kind of damage politically is this going to do for the state of Virginia? Because a lot of people are going to say, yeah... Um, like with with the uh, with the Al Franken thing, well, it's not so bad a deal because a Democrat is for sure going to be appointed, and we're we're not going to be in a loss politically. Citizens and residents of Virginia, Americans, aren't going to be harmed by new policies that are going to like take away abortion rights or or be discriminatory. 
That's not the case. Because what is going to happen if Ralph Northam resigns is Justin Fairfax, the lieutenant governor, who happens to be African-American, is going to take over. And not only that, Virginia is an odd state because their governors are only allowed to serve one single term in office and not allowed to run for re-election. If Justin Fairfax is to take over this term, he will not have run for, uh, he wasn't elected to office. So after this term is up, which is three years down the road, he will be able to run again, having served a possible seven years or so as Democratic governor of the state of Virginia. So actually it could be a big win for Democrats in Virginia if Ralph Northam does the right fucking thing and steps down and allows Justin Fairfax to take over. But even aside from thinking about the political advantages in terms of just doing what is right. No, yeah, yeah know, I just wanted to, uh, to address that element because that's something people are talking about. Yeah, I understand. And there's even a lot of people saying... If you are making a criticism of Ralph Northam as a Republican, then I want to see you send your receipts of your comments about Steve King, Donald Trump, everybody else. You mean if, if for Republicans who are criticizing Northam? Right. Yeah, for sure. And even though we want that, right, we want people to be intellectually honest and consistent about their views on these issues. Yeah, yeah. We can't say unless you're consistent. I'm not going to be consistent. Yeah. We we just we have to do what's right. And what's right is um he can't he can't be the Virginia governor anymore. Yeah, listen. Do Democrats want to be the party of what's correct and what's right and what's moral and what's upstanding or do they want to be the party of what's politically expedient? Because that's what De that's what Republicans are. We already have a Republican party. And listen, it's not like his life is over, you know. He's a fucking doctor. Everyone always says, "Oh, their life is over now." Like his life isn't going to be over. It's just that you don't get to be in this position, you yeah, know? For sure. He'll be okay. He'll be okay. Eventually when he resigns, if he resigns. Yeah, so that I guess that's that's for sure my take that he for sure 100% needs to resign. Because imagine that, listen, if you're a Democrat out there, and, you know, you have your if you're out there and you don't believe he should resign or should have to resign, you're entitled to your opinion. And I don't think you're a bad person for having your opinion. But if you also if this put yourself in this mindset, if this was a Republican governor of Virginia and this happened, we would be calling for his resic fucking nation right now, loudly on every mountaintop we would be screaming. So why would it be different for Ralph Northam? Because by all accounts, his intent is the same as what a, a Democrat or a Republican would be. There's no difference. He, he hasn't showed himself to be any different than a Republican. I mean, there, there's even evidence during the campaign of him photoshopping out pictures of Justin Fairfax in certain mailers. Mm -hmm. Because Justin Fairfax, well, we don't know because Justin Fairfax is black, but we can we can draw conclusions Virginia in many ways and this is as someone who lived there for many years owned a house in Virginia is still very steeped in confederate lore is still very racist is still pre-civil war 
attitudes running around. You still have Jefferson Davis Highway, Route 1, that as soon as you hit Northern Virginia becomes a different road. Ralph Northam needs to do the right thing for the people of Virginia and let the party heal and move the fuck on. You've got someone qualified and capable to step in and be governor in Justin Fairfax. I, I just don't see any reason why he would stick around. Anyway, um, I think that is going to do it for us. We need to get out of here before the power goes off again. Do we even explain why the power went out? Because it's it's raining. It's raining, mm -hmm. and not even like a crazy amount of rain. It's just it's raining. Regular rain with a little bit of wind, mm -hmm. and click the power went out. So yep, good times. We will see you back here on Monday for an episode, episode four hundred eighty-five. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We also appreciate your viewpoints. We want to hear from you. Six five seven four six four. 7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos from those smartphones in your pockets to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Listen, if you love the show, we would love to have you support the show. Help us move the conversation forward on an episode by episode basis, which also uh, incidentally helps support uh, the YouTube videos as well. So we. You can help reach uh, a, a very wide audience, and we we love you guys for it very much. Go to teamdollamore.com. That'll redirect you to our Patreon page. Every dollar goes a long way when we pool the resources of the, the larger audience. You guys are the best. We appreciate you. We love you. And we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Ride a fucking roller coaster, you know? Don't don't write a letter to the killer. 